Hello and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping entrepreneurs healthy and powerful. I'm Stephanie Webster. I'm a nutritional therapist based in Harley Street, London, specializing in extreme fat loss. Being an entrepreneur myself, I like to find seamless solutions to health problems and to help you with that mission. Today, we have the honor of having Michael Masha from Fine Water Academy. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So, Michael, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm by training a food anthropologist, and wine and food was always very important for me. And in 2002, so about 17 years ago, I had to stop drinking alcohol. That means all the wine was removed from the table, and I was there was something missing. It was not only the alcohol missing, but also the engagement, the discoveries, the sharing of information about wine was missing for me. I looked at the table and I applied the same curiosity I had for wine to the other bottle that's usually on the table, and this was bottled water. So this was in 2002, and everyone thought I'm crazy. I've experienced that too. So I actually really like tasting acidic water, alkaline water. And I've tried, I was saying before the call, I'm, I'm looking into uh, starting a water tasting regular event in London. And I, I, I say to people, I want to do this water tasting, like it's the coolest thing I've ever discovered. And the people who get it go, oh my God, amazing. Count me in. And then the rest of the audience are like, water tasting, why would I do that with water? So t- tell me about that experience when you tell people you're a water sommelier and all of this. It was really, really hard in 2000, in the early 2000s, because as you said, people say, what is water? There was a bottled water backlash when everyone thought that bottled water single-handedly will destroy the planet in the next five weeks. All those kind of craziness. So it really (laughs) took a long time, and things started to turn around around 2010 after some really big efforts from me and some many other people I think we are now in, in, in the prime for having a new trend, which is that water stands next to wine on the table and is considered with the same curiosity. I agree. And what I love about your story is how you have adopted your refined and sophisticated palate from appreciating wine to appreciating water. That My relationship with alcohol is that of that of uh, a palate uh, appreciator. I, I don't actually ingest alcohol very much uh, at all. I don't get pleasure from it, and I don't like putting toxins in my body. But I do like perfume tasting, water tasting, and just refining my palate and appreciating the nuances, um, which I realize it's, for some people this sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it's <laughs> I have to get my pleasure somehow. I've already cut out carbs, you know, so... Um, <laughs> So t- tell us uh, about how you adopted your palate to, re- to tasting water. I mean, are you so good now at being a water sommelier that it blindfolded could tell the minerality, the acidity, the alkalinity? That c- Could you do that? Because I can't. To some extent. And it's very hard. Like, which wine has a lot of data points. So number one, you have the color, you have the smell, and you have a very distinct taste. With water, you don't have any color. If the water smells, don't drink it. So you have far few data points. So someone being able to drink a water and tell you exactly where the water is coming from, what brand it is, is almost impossible. I think it is impossible. 
What it can do, of course, is have an indication if is this a low minerality water, is this a higher minerality water, as the water loss body and so forth. And you can manage to get an idea what kind of water it is, but going down to the to the exact idea where the water is coming from will be very hard. There's I mean, one exception to what I just told you is when you move into very high mineral waters. You know, if you move into five, six thousand TDS, thirteen thousand TDS, the waters become so characteristic that most water sommeliers would say, "This is a Roy, this is a Vichy Catalan, and so forth." I love it. And the thing is, I actually really care about my clients, and when they're losing. Um, I specialize in fat loss and they, they lose a lot of weight across a 12 month program. And a lot of the city guys that I, I work with, they have crazy lifestyles and they drink a lot of alcohol. They really need to get off that stuff because it's just not supporting their health and their, their weight and, 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 and their mindset actually. And I, I, I wanted to introduce the concept of water tasting as a bit of fun to, to sort of say, look, instead of having this way with wine, you can have it with water. And um, I, I realize that you do courses. And tell us about the courses that you run on finewaters.com. Yeah, so what we've done, and this is fairly recent, we started in August last year, is that I'm working with Martin Riese, who's a very famous uh, water sommelier that subscribed pretty much exactly to the position I'm subscribing from Los Angeles. And we train people to become water sommeliers. It's going really well. We have now about 30 water sommeliers all around the world in training. A couple of people have already finished. And it's really fascinating to engage with people from all around the world about about water and allowing them to spread the story in their particular region. Yes. What I also wanted to mention is what you said before is getting your people off the alcohol. I noticed when I stopped drinking alcohol, my weight was dropping like crazy. I mean, I lost, you know, 70 pounds by not drinking a bottle of wine every day. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of calories in the in the wine. What your clients may discover also is that if you just tell them drink some water, they say, this is so boring. There's, there's no engagement. There's no emotions with drinking the water. What I do now, as an example, I'm invited to a party and everyone brings a uh, $200 bottle of, you know, Bordeaux or Burgundy or something. And I bring a $60 bottle of iceberg water from Svalbardi. Mm-hmm. And for the whole evening, no one talks about the Bordeaux. Everyone talks about 5,000-year-old iceberg water. So you can have an emotional engagement with the water. You just need to be open to look for something new and engage with it and not just overlook it and say what is just water. Yeah, well, please help me create a movement because that's exactly what I'd like to do. Because, And uh, on my program, you have to drink a lot of water every day um, for, for fat loss and, and just for hydration in general. So uh, the palate gets used to different waters. You actually start to taste water. And I don't believe in drinking London tap water. It's just full of chemicals that aren't beneficial to you. But um, I like bottled uh, water and I like... Um, glass bottles in particular my favorite is Strathmore from from Scotland actually um and my business partner actually bought me loads of bottles of this stuff and I just loved it you, you really when you're drinking exclusively water you really start to taste the different and you do get bored of the same type you do like a, a difference but um anyway so what's the difference between a water mixologist 
and a water sommelier. So I've actually never heard the term water mixologist. You know, in general, mixologist is you know when we move away from pre-mix. Pre-mixes are used in in cocktails in a cheap bar. When we move to high-end artisanal cocktails, that really handcrafted, and those people don't want to be called bartender anymore. They are called now mixologists. And a water sommelier would be a person that, very similar to wine sommelier, helps you educate you and find nice pairings between water and and food. But I also want to mention something we haven't talked about is that there are two different kinds of waters in my world. There's a natural water that comes from a real place that is not changed when it's bottled. And when you drink the bottle, you have an emotional and a sensational connection to the source because it's basically drinking the same water. And there are some things in the bottle that also called bottled water, but those are the processed waters. This is tap water that runs through a factory, gets what we call polished, you know, minerals are added, minerals removed, and put in a bottle. And there are many examples of that from Coca-Cola, from, from Pepsi, from Nestle. And this is processed water. So for me, if you think that McDonald's sells you food, then processed water is probably the right water for you. But if you think that McDonald's is just food-like substance, then you should really look into finding a water that comes from a natural source. So I'm on your website and I'm on, you've got an exhaustive and beautiful uh, array of waters from all different countries. And I'm on the UK. So you've listed Highland Spring, Hilden, uh, Speyside uh, and a few others. So um, tell us about the, the best quality three, the top three quality waters that, that we have in the UK if we wanted to stock up on the best stuff. The beauty of what I'm doing is, is there is no best water. I think it would be a fallacy to run and try to find the best water. If you talk to a person that is into wine, they will never tell you this is the best wine. They will tell you, this is a great wine that works with my steak. You know, I love this Chablis with my oysters and so forth. They would never say that one wine is the best wine. And I want to get into people's mind that they shouldn't find the best water they should enjoy the many differences, experiences of water can give you. Mm-hmm. But I like this idea of having the natural spring water where you connect and it's not processed. I like that idea. And that's, that's the important thing, because if you look into the food world right now, the whole rage is about, you know, farm to market. The chef knows where the food is coming from. He can tell you basically the name of the pig that you're just eating. And... The big problem I see right now is that many restaurants have that kind of attitude from the chef with the food. They have 600 bottles of wine on the wine list. And when you ask what water do you have, they tell you it's still a sparkling and it comes from Nestle or even worse, it's processed in the, in the kitchen with a, a purifier and a carbonator. So I see restaurants paying attention to food and wine, but not yet to water. Mm-hmm. I think that's consumer driven, though, and um, it's an education process, which I'm happy to to contribute to. Um, so just as you go to a wine tasting. So I did my level one of WSCT wine tasting, even though I don't drink alcohol, but I just like the I like educating myself. And they, they have um, a set of criteria when they're analyzing wine, the color um, the smell and, and, and all of those. So what is the criteria for 
people uh, analyzing a water? So there's a couple of components, but the two main, the strongest indicator of the difference between water is their minerality, the amount of minerals in the water, and the carbonation, lack of carbonation, and the, the level of carbonation. So if we start with the, the minerality, it's sometimes called TDS, or dry residue, and it's a number that goes anywhere from single digits to 13,000 or so. And that means how many milligrams of minerals are found in the water. So, for example, if you have rainwater, there's almost no minerals in the water because the water basically never touches the ground. So the experience from the water would be very soft, very light, mm. and very neutral. I like it's that. Basically, stand, basically standing, probably not in the middle of London, but in some remote area, opening your mouth and have the, the rainwater fall into your mouth. So that's the sensation of a low minerality water. Mm-hmm. I like. And on the other hand, they find uh, I find them quite refreshing. Those I feel like I'm really absorbing those when they're high minerality. I feel like they're almost heavy, almost dense on my palate, and I I, I find them quite difficult actually. Yeah, but again, you know, when you first first time drink uh, a Bordeaux, it also doesn't taste good. It's an acquired taste, and again, it's the beauty that you not have to chase one water you want to drink. You have multiple waters. As soon as you have different waters then you can match them with food and so forth. So on one side, we have the rainwater. On the other side, we have water that has been in the ground for a couple of years, sometimes for five, seven, ten thousand years. So if that water has been in the ground, it absorbs mineral, and when it emerges, the water has now a body to it. Depending on how much mineral it has absorbed, it feels heavy, it's it has a medium body or a heavy body, and it's exactly what you described. Suddenly, the water becomes distinct mm-hmm. because of the mineral composition. And I like to use the term terroir for it. I know the wine world thinks terroir is their word, but I think the wine never is in the ground, and terroir means, you know, the ground in French. But our water has been in the ground, so I think the proper use for terroir is for water, because the water has really been in the ground and has absorbed the taste of the ground through the minerals it, it absorbs. And alkaline water has taken uh, a bit of a, a media spin in the fitness industry. What, what's your take on that? It, it, there's also acidic waters. I've had Olivetto, which is a, an Italian water, which I think is pH 5, so it's quite, quite acidic, neutral being 7. So um, I... I really struggle with acidic waters, but I don't really like alkaline waters, particularly before a meal. Coming from a background of digestion, drinking with meals or drinking a lot of water will dilute the digestive enzymes and impair optimum nutrition uptake from the the food that you eat. So sipping is fine, but not certainly not glugging half a bottle of water. But anyway, what's your uh, experience of the different pH levels of water, acidic versus alkaline? Depending on where waters come from, they have a very wide range of pHs. Let's say 5, 5.5 on the low side, and it goes up to 9 or 10. Because of the different pH, especially on the on the outer edges of it, the waters become distinct different, and you can sense the, the difference. You know, Especially with the high alkalinity, you have a little bit of a, of a soapy feeling in, in, in the mouth. They become very, very round, very mellow, very soapy. And again, it's just a different way of 
experiencing waters that are distinct from each other. Mm -hmm. What I'm not a big fan of is the current trend of this alkalinity, that alkalinity, again, is healthy, much more healthy than in acidic waters that you needed to maintain your body's pH level and all those kind of things. I agree. It's it's pretty much BF, and -hmm. it comes from brands that don't have any other story to tell. If you're a rainwater, a glacier water, a very particular spring, an ancient spring, you have a story to tell. It allows you to form emotions with your brand and with your water. If you have none of those things, then you need to make up something. And the current makeup trend is, of course, to do you know, alkalinity and it, it will heal everything that's wrong with your body. I think your body is perfectly capable of maintaining its pH balance and doesn't require you to think about what you ingest pH-wise. And a lot of people calculate their pH from, from their urine on these sticks and um, actually is blood pH. There's, the body has different pHs in every single part of it, the mouth the, the, um, and the blood and the skin. They all have a different pH. I, I think it's a myth, but anyway. So, um, so what about distilled water? Some people drink distilled water. Uh, I, I think it's yeah, bad for your health. I, I think it's extremely unhealthy. It's dangerous. It, and in, in the outer range, it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is water is a universal solvent. It gets in touch with anything and it dilutes it and it, it acquires the minerals. So if you have a water that has no minerals in it, it runs through your body and it will leach out the minerals you have in your body because it will absorb all the, the minerals. So drinking distilled water on a, over an extended period of time is extremely unhealthy. So to tell and, us then, what's the healthiest water? I know I tried to coax you into into a, a brand <laughs> earlier, and maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you'll tell me after the show, and I'll be secretly telling texting yes, clients. Yes. But I, 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 I would tell you if I, if I, I would tell you if I would know it, but there's no such thing. But if, if the... If the absence of minerals means it's not healthy, maybe the opposite is true, that the more minerals it has, the healthier it is for you. Or is that not quite right, in your opinion? So I'm, I'm always trying to stay away from single answers to very complex issues okay. because they're usually wrong. Mm. So what I think is, is your best approach, and again, I'm not, I'm an anthropologist and I'm not a doctor, so please don't take any medical advice from me. Mm. But I think what I can tell you as a food anthropologist that you should eat as many different things as possible and you should drink as many different waters as possible. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't recommend to drink uh, 13,000 TBS water exclusively. And I think it's probably not a good idea to drink, you know, iceberg water exclusively. So having a wide range of waters with different mineralities I think would benefit your body best. That sounds right to me. I think non-processed. Uh, we propose non-processed food, so non-processed water, um, glass bottle. I think that that sounds like the healthiest route for me personally. And um, I will look forward to researching and hunting down on your website anything that fits that criteria. Um, um, I think you've been great. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Absolutely, you're welcome. Okay, great. And uh, thank you for sharing your inspiring insights into the wonderful world of water and helping the Urban Health Podcast in keeping entrepreneurs healthy and powerful.